During the coronavirus pandemic, many deficiencies of our nation's healthcare system have been laid bare. Yet we are fortunate to have industry leaders who have experienced these faults in the delivery of care and have helped pave the way for the healthcare industry to adapt to meet the needs of COVID patients and to carry these lessons learned well beyond the current public health crisis. Our next guest is a shining example of the inspiring frontline heroes who are valiantly working to bring relief and normalcy back to our families and communities. Dr. Amy Boutwell, president of Collaborative Healthcare Strategies, is a nationally recognized thought leader in the field of delivery system transformation, specifically focused on reducing readmissions, cross-continuum collaboration, and improving care for multi-visit patients. Additionally, Dr. Boutwell is a practicing physician who has been taking care of patients in the COVID field hospital in Massachusetts. While together, Dr. Boutwell shares her harrowing experience of working on the front lines to battle the virus, what she learned along the way, and how we can implement her findings to propel us to a brighter and more sustainable healthcare industry in the future. Join me for this timely, candid, and informative conversation as we continue to work together to reimagine a better healthcare delivery system for all. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Boutwell, thank you so much for joining us today, especially during this very busy time for you and our other frontline heroes across this country. Thanks for having me, Mike, and please call me Amy. Well, Amy, I'm honored to be able to have this conversation with you today regarding your efforts in treating COVID-19 patients at Massachusetts COVID Field Hospital, how you've seen healthcare adapt to meet the needs of your patients, and how we can and must harness our demonstrated ability to change on the path to high-value care post-crisis. But before we dive in and learn from your inspiring journey and your mission and your work, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment and visit passionatepioneers.com in order to share your feedback and ideas. Simply scroll to the comments section at the bottom of each posted episode. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, Amy, before we dive into your current work in Massachusetts, leading the charge at the COVID-19 field hospital, take us a little bit on the journey, how you got to where you are today. I know you're a nationally recognized thought leader in the field of delivery system transformation, but set the stage. I know we both spent some time on the farm out at Stanford, so go Cardinal, but give us a little bit of that journey, and then we're going to really focus in on your current work with the COVID field hospital, what you've been learning, and the learnings that we can take post-pandemic. Great. Well, thanks, Mike. So I entered medicine believing that the healthcare system was not optimal and that we could do better. And as I went through my training, I specifically developed three areas of overlapping interests and skills where I work at the nexus of those. So I work at the intersection of excellence in clinical care. I trained at Mass General Hospital in internal medicine public policy, and I got my master's in public policy at the Harvard Kennedy School, and system improvement, or what we call now delivery system transformation. And I had the opportunity to learn from some of the great mentors at 
Intermountain Healthcare and the Institute for Healthcare Improvement. And when I launched in the field of healthcare transformation, I was fortunate to serve as the first director of health policy strategy at the Institute for Healthcare Improvement and worked with a great mentor in the field, Dr. Don Berwick. And while I was at IHI, it was right when the Affordable Care Act was in its conception and put onto my plate was the question, how would you design a strategy to reduce hospital use, taking the state as the unit of interest? So this was a fantastic question to pose from a policy and delivery system transformation standpoint, because it didn't ask why and how would an organization change? And it didn't ask why and how would doctors change practice or any other specific discipline, but it rather said, how would you achieve an outcome at scale. And so it's really with that perspective, how would you achieve an outcome at scale that I've worked on reducing hospitalizations and readmissions in particular, avoidable ED visits, and improving care for vulnerable and highest risk populations at scale, taking everything that we have in a community, a geography, a state, to achieve the outcome that we're looking for. That led itself to once the Affordable Care Act passed, I founded Collaborative Healthcare Strategies to really pursue that work nationally in terms of designing and leading change to achieve value-based outcomes at the state and national level. And that's what I've been fortunate to do for the past 10 years. And how important has it been for you to also continue to practice medicine, to continue to be, you know, on the ground in front of your patients, also juxtaposed against what you were just describing, these national efforts. I mean, these are touching millions and millions of people, the things that you just described, but then also what has it been like taking that patient, that N of one? Has that been helpful as well? That's right. It's essential, Mike, and thanks for recognizing that. I truly believe that part of what I contribute to the field is being a practicing physician, as you said, at the bedside and seeing how the practice changes that we think of in the boardroom and in workshops really interfaces with what we're asking folks to do at the front line with patients one by one. And so I've continued to practice ever since I left residency and I've been actually at the same hospital for, can't believe it, 17 years now. And seeing patients on a consistent basis, it refreshes everything I bring to the work and it also inspires and and grounds the work in its purpose. It's so important. And I'm glad you're still on the front lines, Amy. We need you taking care of those patients on the ground. Yes, of course, everything you described, you've mentioned some of your mentors, some I'm big fans as well. I believe it's still so critically important that leaders like you are on those front lines, taking care of, again, that N of one. So Amy, thank you so much for sharing your background and journey. And I'm looking forward to learning about your experience working on the front lines at the Massachusetts COVID Field Hospital and what we can take forward post-pandemic after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. ClearChild leverages technology, the power of psychology and human interaction to diagnose, treat, and improve the success and happiness of children who are affected by mental and behavioral health challenges such as autism, ADHD, and learning issues. They know that with the right treatments, therapies, and support, children can see measurable improvement across their mental health, happiness, and overall life functioning. Their AI-enabled mobile technology facilitates ongoing data collection, improving the efficacy of their program with every child they help. 
Clear Child Psychology serves both families as well as partner clinicians to ensure they are putting help in the hands of the most families possible and paving the way in providing affordable and accessible mental health care for the millions of children in need of support. We are incredibly grateful for Clear Child's support of our future generations and for their community champion sponsorship of Passionate Pioneers. To learn more about Clear Child, head over to clearchildpsychology.com slash passionate pioneers or visit the episode notes and click on their link. We are back with Dr. Amy Batwall and we have so much to discuss. Amy, again, thank you for sharing your journey on where you've been, all the lessons learned both at a national level and then of course down on the ground with your patients. I want to now turn towards your work. You've been on the front lines at the Massachusetts COVID field hospital. You've been seeing it yourself. You've been seeing the devastating impact that this pandemic has had on our communities. What have you been experiencing? And especially during the pandemic, you've been responding to the surge directly by actively seeking opportunities to care for these patients in the expanded units. What have you learned? What are some of the things then we can start thinking about taking with us beyond the pandemic? How has this experience been? Well, for me, Mike, my heart is in making sure that people get the care they need. And that's really why I want to see the healthcare system transform. And so when the pandemic hit, and as you said, I'm in Massachusetts, so really March and April were very tough months for us here. And when the pandemic hit, I didn't want to be anywhere else than part of the response at the bedside taking care of patients. And it was just a very compelling moment in time for me, and I know for so many other clinicians to be part of the solution, it was a little scary, but it was also invigorating in a very important way. For me in particular, I have a lot of projects going on in improving healthcare. And what I was able to do, because the world stopped during that surge, what I was able to do was really raise my hand and volunteer to come in more, sign up for more shifts, and really help relieve some of my colleagues in the hospital during such an exhausting time period. So first, in the spring surge here in Massachusetts, March, April, May, I was at my hospital, Newton Wellesley Hospital, where I've been for a decade, and there were so many changes and so many lessons. I'm just going to start first and foremost with what it was like to be a clinician during that time. Just a couple things. Number one is at the very beginning when nobody knew exactly what this virus was and how to treat it and how to protect ourselves. Number one was trust. And I think that's such an easy attribute of the work to call out in healthcare. But I'll say, you know what? We struggled a little bit with trust. I struggled a little bit with trust at the beginning. And the key issue was around PPE. Doesn't it seem like a million years ago, to talk about that PPE crisis that we had at the beginning of COVID. But um, it feels like forever ago. Exactly. It's one of the things that I will never forget because I trained at Mass General and I've been at this healthcare system for the entire time that I've been a practicing physician. And I have to say, you know, no particular fault, but there were times when we were told we did not need N95s. There were times when our colleagues who were in non-clinical transport and other supportive roles were told they didn't need, you know, PPE. That was wrong. And you know what? We knew it was wrong. And that felt really bad. That made it really hard to show up and meet the challenge. And yet here's what happened. I looked left and I looked right and we knew that the guidance and the information we were getting did not make sense 
according to what we already knew about viruses and how they were spread in the workplace, but we still showed up anyway. And we still supported each other anyway. And that was a part of this response that I really don't want to gloss over because we're going to talk about so much other cool stuff and all the amazing change we made. But I really hope that we never go back to the mistake of because we didn't have something, we tell people they don't need it. That was wrong. And so I'm glad. I don't know if people outside of Massachusetts remembered this part of the story, but actually what saved us from that really tough beginning in the COVID pandemic was the president of the New England Patriots commissioning his plane and arranging to go to China and picking up a million and 95 masks and bringing them back to Boston. It was the work of a private sector leader that actually saved us from that challenge. And that was a big turning point. And so once we got the proper PPE Trust was restored and we could feel secure in meeting the need and meeting the call to action. But that was really quite a moment. It was very early. It feels like a million years ago, but it's a part of the story that I won't forget. And then also, I always find it so inspiring in regards to how you and on the front line, leaders like you have, let's just say, how you've held it together through this. And this podcast is firmly dedicated to the mental well-being of our nation. What was it like for you, for your mental well-being and for your colleagues during and maybe even still today through this crisis? How has it been? Because we talk about a lot of other people and the battle has been, but I always want to focus on our frontline staff as well and making sure all of you are okay. How has it been for you and your colleagues? I will say that I actually came down with COVID in early March, the very first week of March, and I was out of the hospital sick, not able to return to the hospital until I was recovered for 26 days in March. And so when I returned to the hospital on April 1st, I felt somewhat, again, incomplete information, but I felt somewhat temporarily protected from COVID. And it was my colleagues, clinicians and others, non-clinicians, who were being told not to use N95s unless it was under specific circumstances And the fear in their eyes and the betrayal that they felt was real, Mike. And thank you for the opportunity to just, you know, pause and recollect how profound that was. I do think that that initial trauma has resulted in some ongoing lasting mental health impacts on the healthcare workforce because I really talked through, supported and validated a lot of my colleagues legitimate fears. Remember, this was back in the day when doctors wouldn't go home to their families. They were staying in hotels. So the isolation and the fear and the abandonment and the betrayal that happened at the very beginning of the COVID surge, when there wasn't enough PPE and people were so fearful about not only catching it themselves, but bringing it home to their families, that I was in a unique position having been already infected and recovered. I was in a unique position that I didn't necessarily feel that same pressing fear, but I was surrounded by people who did. And it was something that really needed to be validated and addressed at the front lines. And that was something that really happened colleague to colleague. And only later did we see hospital administrators bring forth the validation and the support that was needed. But those early days were tough times. I can only imagine. And thank you for sharing that, Amy. It is important and appreciated because it needs to be addressed. 
And so with that, let's turn a bit towards future state as well. So here we are, beginning of 2021. We're starting to roll out the vaccine. It's starting to ramp up quicker and quicker, thank God. But with that, of course, hopefully there's some light at the end of this tunnel. And through this experience, Amy, what have you learned? What are those lessons learned that we can be taking forward beyond the pandemic? We have some of the nation's thought leaders rallied around this podcast, both on the payer, provider side, patients themselves tuning in. What are some of the things through your expertise and your national position as a leader and on being on the front line, what are some of the lessons learned during this time that we can take with us moving forward post-pandemic? I think I'll highlight five things, Mike, is number one is transparency and information. So something that worked really, really well that we can all take forward is over-communicate, share data, upskill everybody who's listening in terms of what's the latest science, what's the latest practice recommendation, what's the latest practice change that is, you know, locally relevant. And I think that we can see even now with vaccine rollout, we are really focused on communicating and transparency and keeping people, the public and the practice community up to date on the latest. So that's a real palpable change from healthcare of one to two years ago. So I really love seeing the pace, the frequency and the purposefulness of communication and transparency. Number two is the focus on the essential importance of communicating clearly and in a timely and repeated way with patients and their families. When we have somebody come in with COVID, we need to let them know, hey, we think you have COVID or we know you have COVID and this is what the tests are showing and you know, this is what we're thinking. It, it looks mild or it looks like it's progressing. We need to talk to the families because And this is, again, a great lesson to bring forth the urgency of communicating with families and caregivers. In this particular case, it's because they need to protect themselves or isolate or get themselves tested or know how to prepare for their loved one to come home. But naturally, that has broader implications for healthcare and wellness in general. And so one thing that we did so well during this year is we stripped away all the reasons why we can't or don't or don't have time to communicate well with patients and family caregivers. And we got a lot better at that. And so I hope that we will take that forward. Number three is teamwork. We talk about healthcare being a team sport. And of course, I know myself and listeners believe healthcare is a team sport. And one thing that I just saw flourish as we had to change sometimes day by day is the team sport interdisciplinary cross-setting nature of what we can do when we have to make change. And just a quick anecdote about that. Back in the Massachusetts surge in April, when we were closing pediatric floors and opening COVID ICU units on pediatric floors and in the day surgery and in the GI suite, you'd walk in and you sometimes wouldn't even know where your patients were because another wing of the hospital that never used to have inpatients was now holding COVID patients. And it was just a constant coming together of new people from new disciplines and new departments. And one thing I really love about what we learned how to do is we introduced ourselves to each other. We asked each other questions. We approached the shift or the new challenge with humility and since none of us were experts in all the change that was happening, we really came together and embodied teamwork because we were truly interdependent on doing the best job that we could do that day. And I hope we really take 
teamwork and purposeful collaboration forward with us. Fourth thing that I want to mention is the ability to use new technology. And, you know, this is obviously something I know your listeners are very savvy on, but, you know, using iPads to communicate with families, using iPads to communicate with patients in isolation rooms, bringing consultants in from their work from home offices, you know, specialists to see our patients in the hospital so that we could protect the most people from exposure as possible. And then, of course, all the virtual care, remote monitoring and telemedicine that was happening is something that we've been waiting for this day. And of course, now we know that proof positive, we can do it and it delivers a great value to patients and to the healthcare system. And then finally, what I really want to take away as someone who embraces and encourages and leads change is our ability to change that healthcare can be better and it can be different. And when we need to change, we certainly have demonstrated an amazing capacity to change. And so I hope that as we move forward and we take on the delivery system transformation challenges of tomorrow, we remember, yes, we can change. Yes, we can come together and be transparent, over-communicate, share data. We can come together as a team. We can embrace new technologies. And we don't have to take such a risk-averse position to delivery system change because COVID has taught us that change is possible and change helps us achieve our goals better. So I really hope that we embrace change moving forward. Well, Amy, that's a great list. And personally, given I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a disruptor. I like to build new technology and innovation for healthcare. I've been doing it for years and trying to rally other entrepreneurs to do the same. And I use the entrepreneur because it can apply to all of us, right? As long as we think of new ideas and new ways to change this industry, I'll say it and I'll say it again. There is no doubt in my mind that we can reimagine this industry. We put a person on the moon as a country 50 plus years ago. There's no doubt in my mind that we can create a better industry that serves all of us. So I am right there with you, Amy. I hope some of the lessons and some of the ashes that can rise out of this Phoenix from COVID-19, to me, one of the biggest ones is, yes, we can change. We can do this and we can do it together. So Amy, again, thank you so much for that list. Very inspiring, very thought provoking as well. And I agree, we can continue to do this if we do it together. And so with that, speaking of togetherness, Where can we find you online? I know you've been leading your consultancy for a number of years now. Been doing great work there with collaborative healthcare strategies. Where can we find you online? Where are some contact points so our community can get a hold of you? Thanks, Mike. Yes, please find me on LinkedIn, Amy Boutwell, B-O-U-T-W-E-L-L. And this is our 10th year anniversary. So we are launching a new website in a month. And so please find us at collaborativehealthcarestrategies.com. Easy enough. We'll also include those over at passionatepioneers.com, our free global online community. There'll be a post for this episode over there on our website. Also, there'll be a comment section where you can leave Amy feedback, comments, ideas, or questions of what she shared today. Again, over at passionatepioneers.com or simply in your podcast player, scroll down to the episode notes and you'll be able to click on through and get a hold of Amy with those links. So thank you so much for that, Amy. And of course, thank you for being with us today. I know how busy you are over there in Massachusetts, not only leading on a national level and getting our industry to think differently and that we can change, but also on the front lines, taking care of our patients and our communities. Thank you so much for being here and sharing everything that you're up to and how we can get involved. We appreciate everything that you're doing. But again, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Mike, for the opportunity. 
Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.